This episode of Stick Like Blue Radio is brought to you by Jim Palmer's Create Your Dream Business Now Academy, a one-of-a-kind business growth event where Jim will personally teach you how to market and grow your own dream business. You'll learn some of the best marketing and business building advice, all in a pitch-free zone. Jim will reveal step-by-step how to create a million-dollar platform, and you'll learn how to generate a ton of content with ease and how to attract a steady stream of new customers. At Dream Business Academy, you'll network with other successful entrepreneurs and also learn from rock star entrepreneur and Jim's personal mindset coach, Melanie Benson-Strick. This not-to-be-missed event is May the 4th through the 6th in beautiful San Diego, California, and will quite literally transform your business. Do not miss it. Get all the details and register today at www.dreambizacademy.com. That's dreambizacademy.com. This is John Taffer from Bar Rescue, and you're listening to Stick Like Glue Radio. Welcome to Jim Palmer's Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Jim Palmer is a marketing and business building expert, author, speaker, and an in-demand coach. He's the founder of the Dream Business Academy and Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind Program. Jim is the host of Newsletter Guru TV, the hit weekly web TV show based on Jim's smart marketing and business building advice. Check it out at www.newsletterguru.tv. And now, please welcome the host of Stick Like Glue Radio, Jim Palmer. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio. This is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Those are great things in anybody's business. I am your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. As always, I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. I'm really excited about this week's show, folks. My special guest is author, podcaster, and fellow business coach, Andy Paul. Let me tell you a little bit about Andy, and we'll bring him right on. Andy is the author of Amp Up Your Sales, Powerful Strategies That Move Customers to Make Fast, Favorable Decisions. Amp Up Your Sales is on Amazon's list of the top 20 rated sales books of all time, which is very cool. Andy's also the co-author of Zero Time Selling, 10 Essential Steps to Accelerate Every Company's Sales, which won Top Sales Award as one of the top three sales and marketing books of 2011. Andy's recognized by Forbes as number seven on their list of the top 30 social selling influence influencers globally. Boy, a mouthful. Seismic Incorporated recognized Andy as one of the top 25 sales enablement resources in 2015. His podcast, which I'm excited to ask him about, is called Accelerate with Andy Paul. He is the go-to resource offering the latest insights from leading authorities in sales, sales enablement, leadership coaching, and personal development to help sellers accelerate their accelerate the growth of their sales and their businesses. Andy, welcome to Stick Like Glue Radio. How are you doing today? Well, Jim, thank you very much for having me. I'm great. My other pleasure. Than a, Two th- other than a broken I'm, I'm okay. sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Two things are occurring to me. I'm having some construction done here, and there's like no rugs. The, everything's off the walls, and I feel like I'm in an echo chamber. And the second <laughs> thing, some of that, some of the stuff on your intro was like reading the, the – uh, the Old Testament, some of those long names there so it made me laugh. I almost, I think I got through it, though. <laughs> oh, you did a great job. I'm sorry. It's all those subtitles on the book. You know, the publishers want subtitles. 
I know, right? So, um, well, I'm excited to talk. I always like talking with fellow coaches and and um, people who are uh, whose mission is to help people grow more businesses and you know grow their business more profitably and things like that. So I'm trying to think where do I want to start out. Well, let's let's learn a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey, Andy. How did you start out? Did, did you uh, you know were you working in the old corporate world for a while, or have you been an entrepreneur since since age five? <laughs> as some people would say. Uh, no, no, I came to it. Uh after, gosh, 25 years, practically, in the corporate world. And not, I mean, corporate in a sense, in that I worked primarily in Silicon Valley and Southern California with venture-funded startups. I mean, I started my career with a big company, as often people, times people do. Then I worked with uh, Apple back in some of the early days and then started a journey through multiple startups in the tech space before starting my own company in the year 2000. So I decided at that point is to take some of the lessons I'd learned through helping you know, venture-funded companies, startups grow quickly and apply it to actually, you know, starting off with companies in the non in the non-tech space. Because you know, what are the lessons we could take from tech space and apply it in the non-tech world? Very cool. So you started like one year before me. I started in uh, October 2001. Um, I was doing a little research on you before the interview, and I, you're, you're, you, you just mentioned non-tech space. I know you also sold women's shoes at J.C. Penney. It doesn't get more non-technical than that, right? <laughs> well, that was, that, was how, that was how the sales journey started back in high school. I was, uh, yeah, in Madison, Wisconsin, I was selling women's shoes. In fact, sort of funny story because I started – uh, gosh, in November, and the first day I showed up at work, you know, a boss or spent 15 minutes training me about how to become the greatest women's shoe salesman in the world, and then from really from the time I'd show up at work at 8 o'clock to be trained to the time the doors opened at 9 o'clock, a blizzard had broken out. And so every woman within about 35-mile radius of that store showed up to get their winter boots. So I was really, like staff, thrown into the deep end of the selling pool on the first day of the job. So how did you do? Did you catch? Did you? Uh, everybody was it like an easy thing? Do you have my size? I need them, or or how? Well, actually, there, you know, uh, I found that some of the some of the uh, I don't want to say some of the cliches, but it's sort of interesting. I learned a really valuable lesson that first day, which was it was really about what the customer wanted, not what I thought was right. Yeah, because mm. I mean, again, I don't want to deal in stereotypes, but literally, I'd measure people's feet and I'd say, okay, I won't. So I'd say, you know, okay, I'll get you that boot and brown and a size eight, and she'd say, uh, probably a seven and a half. And I'm like, hmm. And this sort of happened multiple times during the day, and I thought, well, what am I doing wrong here? You know, that <laughs> you're measuring eight. You really need an eight. But, you know, again, it wasn't what I wanted or I thought was best. It was really what they wanted and what they were happy with and their perception of their needs. And, you know, that light bulb went on fairly early for me. So in that case, I'm guessing, and again, I don't mean to be stereotypical, women wanted to wear smaller shoes than they were technically sized for to make their feet look smaller? Or? <laughs> no, I, I think that people just knew, in retrospect, people just knew that, yeah, you may measure me an eight, but, you know, in these shoes, I always take a half size smaller. Or gotcha. I do that, too. I mean, I I go to a shoe store. I, I never, depends on the shoe I'm buying. I can tell, you know, running shoes, I'm a ten and a half, dress shoes, I'm all other, and so on. So I think that was sort of a play. I don't think it was vanity, necessarily, but but, you know, I just, after about a dozen, doing it a dozen times and really sort of trying to insist to the customer, no, no, this is what you need, I finally learned to shut up and just listen to what they were saying they needed and pay attention to that. 
Oh, very good. Yeah, I've you know one of the talks I give at my own uh, live event is I kind of run people through the five or six year period how I created multiple six figure businesses, and almost every single case was because I kept listening to what the customers were asking for. And one of my taglines is, "You can make a referral, or you can create a new revenue stream." Well, Jim, where do you get this done? I could make a referral, or I could just boom create that business and start serving mm-hmm. my customers on multiple different ways. So you started, um, you founded Zero Time Selling in 2000, as you said, Andy. And you know, mm-hmm. I think you've worked, you've worked both, you know, as an advisor to CEOs and entrepreneurs. And you know, I know you work a lot in the on the business growth side, but uh, I think transforming sales teams and things like that is one of your fortes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, as I said, sort of the mission that I took when I started the company, and the nature of what I do has changed quite a bit over the last <laughs> the last five years, but maybe for the first ten years it was working with small companies, the pretty mature companies that have been around for a while, but pretty much stalled, hit a plateau with their sales, and sort of lost the recipe for growth. And oftentimes, you know, privately held, closely held companies. And what I was able to do is come in and say, okay, you know, let's do a deep dive analysis, say what what are the problems here, and what are the sort of the one or two things we could really focus on most immediately that have the biggest impact for moving things forward. Because that's really what they needed more than anything, was just to be able to regain some confidence in their ability to sell and their ability to grow their business. So, and so usually it's just one or two things that that were holding the back. Oftentimes, you know, one of the places I like to start is I'd find that the company really wasn't doing a very good job of developing new prospects. And, you know, that's at the, as you know, that's at the center of, of selling. You can't sell if you don't have prospects. So depending on what the company was doing in terms of their lead generation, you had one client that I worked with, you know, as an example that, was getting a lot of leads coming in, but they were taking too long to follow those leads up or they weren't following the leads up at all. And we put in place a system literally within 24 hours that had all of their inbound leads being followed up within two hours. And the impact on the business was just amazing. You know, within months, they were on a completely different growth trajectory. Within two and a half years, they doubled the size of their business just on the basis of how they followed up their leads, how responsive, how quickly they got back to them, how responsibly they listened to what the customer wanted and provided a great solution for them, transformed their business. That's really something. You know, I think that's uh, – I help people an awful lot with with marketing and things like that. And sometimes somebody will say, you know, the marketing isn't working. But when I do a deep dive, the marketing's working fine your your people aren't answering the phone, and if they do, they're, they're, they think follow-up is like re, re sending an email one time and hoping that people will either come in or, or push the buy button. And, you know, I don't I don't know how old you are, but when I went to college, I think I used to hear uh, you got to touch people like seven or eight times. So I think it's like over 20 is what some of the people are saying now. And so follow-up yeah, right, Andy, don't you think follow-up has really fallen off? People think, well, I don't want to be a pest, and I already followed up three times, and I haven't heard back, so I guess it's a dead lead. And I'm like, it's not dead until they tell you, no, I'm not interested. You keep following up. I'm, do you agree with that? Exactly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, so what I teach companies, and that's part of what zero-time selling is, and just a minor correction, I was the sole author on zero-time selling, not the co-author, but um, is that the premise of zero-time selling is that in this day and age where, yeah, there's so many more competitors out there and in every space, and so you've got 
customers that even though they have access to a lot of information, that's the positive. The downside is they've got access to a lot of information, and you know, increasingly the differentiation, the primary line of differentiation between you and your competitors is how you sell your product. It's you, the salesperson. It's you, the company, and how you approach that customer. And it starts with the follow-up. And so this one company I was working with that we talked about, we turned around their, their business just on how they followed up leads, is they were getting back to leads, ultimately got them down to the point where they followed up every lead within 30 minutes that came in. And what they were able to find is that they were able to get the customer two-thirds of the way through their buying process on that first call before their competitors even bothered calling back. And oftentimes their competitors are taking a day or two, as salespeople often will, to get back to them on the lead. And so, and I talk about this in the first book, is the example where one of these target accounts they wanted to get into for a long time, finally called them or sent a lead in. They responded quickly. They did an online demonstration. They sent a demo system to the customer overnight via FedEx. The customer was already integrating it with their software the next day before anybody else had even followed up with them. Well, who do you think got the order? Mm. My client did. I mean, they were done yeah. with the sales process because they said, okay, we're, we're going to go. We're going to follow up. We're going to be responsive. And, you know, they did a lot of software demonstrations online. And so we used to train the salespeople. So when the customer would say, can we schedule a time for a demonstration, we'd train them to say no. And the customer would say, well, what do you mean? They said, no, we're going to do it right now. And that just blew people away because they expect that, oh, we have to arrange it and, you know, get your technical expert in and so on. It's like, no, we're going to do it right now. And it just, if you need that responsive to the customer requirements, you're going to win a lot of business. Very cool. Yeah, I was checking out your website. I know you got an online course, and um, I think it was there where I read you, you have some new definitions for, for, uh, for modern selling and buying. Can you talk a little bit about what they are and why they're important? <laughs> Could make you laugh, I guess. It's going to be a good story. Yeah, no. yeah well, well, it's... It, um, yeah, people sort of ask that question, what what has changed about buying and selling? And, and I really get into this in my latest book, Amp Up Your Sales, is that one of the requirements, again, if you base yourself on the premise that it's more important how you sell than what you sell. In highly competitive markets where the customers perceive you to be largely the same as all your competitors, and you compete in a space where there's lots of business coaches, I compete in a space where there's lots of people doing what I do, how do I differentiate myself? Well, first and foremost, it's by how I deal with the customer, how I sell. And so selling really is a service you provide to the customer. And so the new definition of sales, you know, I like to ask audiences this when I talk a lot about what's buying, what's selling. And I saw this quote a few years ago when I was writing my latest book from Jeff Bezos, founder and CEO of Amazon, that I thought encapsulates the idea of what sales is better than anything else I'd ever read. And in this interview, he said, there's a quote, he says, we don't make money when we sell things. We make money when we help customers make purchase decisions. Mm. And I thought, that's sales. Nothing says anything better about what sales is than that. Not about selling a thing. It's about helping the customer make a purchase decision. And so, you know, if you think about what people, if you ask people what selling is, they well, it's trying to persuade somebody to do something or convince somebody. No, it's really, we're providing a service to help the customer make a good purchase decision quickly. And if we can do that, we're going to win more than our fair share of business. 
So it's about taking your sales to say, okay, what's the service I'm providing through how I sell, right? Being responsive to the customer quickly when they have a question. That's part of being a service orientation. Asking the right questions to help uncover their needs, that's a service orientation to selling. So if you have that orientation of I'm serving the customer to sell, you're going to see a dramatic impact on what you're doing. I agree. You know, selling, I mean, any, if you're in a service-based business or even if you're selling products, whatever, I mean, it's always about the value that the customer sees from their perspective. And I think a lot of people uh, lose lose sight of that. They're always thinking like featured and benefits. But when you think about what it is that's valuable about what you offer to the customer and talk about it on, on those terms, I think that, that helps an awful lot. What, what, do you, what do you think about value? Well, value comes in... in different flavors to the customer. There certainly is the value of what you're selling. But when you're in the midst of the sales transaction, what the customer is looking for you is to give them some value that helps them make that decision. So to me, the definition of value is that in, in sales is that it's information, it could be a question, it, it could be data points, it could be an insight. It's something that helps the customer move closer to making a decision. That's value in sales. So your job as a salesperson is to say, look, every time I interact with a prospect, it doesn't matter if it's email, voicemail, phone call, video call, whatever, every time I touch that prospect, I have to deliver something of value to them. Otherwise, I shouldn't be in touch with them. Otherwise, I shouldn't be wasting their time. Because you know, when, you, when a customer invests some of their time in you, they're expecting they're going to get something in return for that. And if they don't get anything in return for that time, they're going to stop giving you their time. Full stop, right? Yes, mm, the definitely. customer's not going to spend more. He's not going to spend time with you if you're not getting anything in return from it. So, you know, I, what I talk about with the people I coach and work with as the clients is that, you know, customers calculate what I call a return on time invested in you as a salesperson. And so if they don't get this you know, acronym ROTI, if they're not getting return on time invested, you're not going to get any more time. So the key to selling today for customers who are really busy and in competitive marketplaces is you have to say, okay, I need to be able, every time I reach out and touch the customer, I need to deliver something of value that helps move them at least one step closer to making a decision. So selling really becomes this deliberate act. And this is the, the gap that many sellers have to cross. That they, don't, they think that they just sort of randomly pick up the phone and call the customer occasionally and touch bases with them and so on. No. Selling is a deliberate, thoughtful act. So every time you interact with a prospect, what's your plan to deliver value? That's awesome. Why? You know, I'm a big fan of stories. I know you are too. Why are stories mm-hmm. so important in selling? Well, it's, why are stories important in general in life? Right? I mean, why do we watch movies? Why do we watch TV shows? I mean, it's it's because we get drawn into the story, right? I mean, when the reason that we watch our favorite TV series or we'll binge watch House of Cards or something is that we get drawn into it. There's something that's, you know, about storytelling that, you know, Plato recognized 2,500 years ago that, you know, sort of stimulates the emotions and draw us in. Well, so when you're selling, rather than just facts and figures, once you start telling a story about how a customer similar to the prospect you're talking to has used your product or service to achieve a certain value, they identify with that. They identify. They can picture themselves in the mind eye. Suddenly, 
they're in the picture frame that they weren't before. And so it's the most effective way to sort of get the customer to take this mental test drive, if you will, of the product and service you're selling. And once they take that mental test drive, that's really a critical step that they need to take on their way to making a decision. So stories used effectively really accelerate that process of getting the customer to sort of mentally assume ownership of the product or service you're selling. Is that something you help people with, Andy, in your training or when you're doing consulting or coaching? Do you help? Because I think a lot of people have trouble storytelling. You know what I mean? They, yeah. They they think you need to go right to the to the who, what, where, why, and how instead of <laughs> instead of instead of sharing something that's actually interesting. Yeah. No, we do. And actually, I, I in my books and in the presentations I give and so on, I, we do an exercise where what I base it around is this: four simple questions you need to to answer to be able to construct a story. And the goal is to be able to tell a story within 30 seconds. And so it has to be something that's practiced and rehearsed and really scripted and then practiced and rehearsed. So it becomes sort of second nature to be able to tell. But they really become little vignettes, not long-winded five-minute, ten-minute stories where the customer's mind starts wandering. Is you want to deliver them very concisely so the customer, the point hits the customer quickly and they, again, put themselves in the picture, and then you move on to the next story. So I'd like to think of, you know, tell people when you have the chance to tell something factual, think about a way of telling a story instead that relates how a customer, you know, if a customer asks you about, you know, does your product do X, Y, and Z, you say, well, that's an interesting question. Let me illustrate the answer by telling you how customer ABC solved that problem. And then suddenly they say, oh, well, you know, somebody else, is using your product and service. They have a problem like mine, you know, sort of a form of social proof as well as a way of drawing the customer into the story. That's awesome. So um, starting to dwindle on time here. I want to ask you about a couple more things. I want to ask you about your uh, podcast. But before we go there, talk. You got an. Um, I noticed on your website you have an online training program. Mm-hmm. Is that is that um, Something that's delivered over time is that somebody something people take and and go through it at their own pace or describe that a little bit. What's included? Yeah, something for people to go through there on their own pace. And really, the focus of that is that training is okay. Once you it sort of starts after you've prospected a lead, you know, you've done lead generation through marketing or you've gone out and made cold calls and you have that opportunity. Okay, what do you do then? And that's really the heart of of the book Zero Time Selling that I wrote about is. Okay, once, you, once you're engaging now with the prospect, what are the foundational things you should do to be able to deliver value to the prospect to help them be able to make a decision more quickly? And so this training is broken into nine different courses, and it's about three chapters in each course, completely self-paced. You can do it – excuse me, I have some clients that do um, – they'll buy subscriptions for each of their – sales team, people on their sales team, and they'll do one chapter a week for 26 weeks for half a year. Uh, and they'll, it takes about five, ten minutes to go through each chapter. If people do it individually. Then on the sales meeting every Monday, they'll talk about it. Um, or the individuals will take it and they'll just sort of go through it in one lump, but then come back and refer to it. Because I deliberately broke it into small, easily digestible bites because I think that's how people learn best. It's learn something you know, in five, ten minutes, and then go out and try to apply it for a week, and then come back and learn the next thing and try to apply that. And the retention and the learning curve is much different. 
Yeah, I would agree with you. You know, I think um, especially in the uh, Internet space and when people are delivering digital products and things like that, for a while there you were, I was seeing where people wanted to, um, you know, deliver this big proverbial box of stuff, whether whether it was actually delivered by mail or whether it was, you know, online. And I think, you know, what people have figured out is that if you inundate people with too much stuff too quickly, they, they don't get started because it's like, you know, that whole how do you eat an elephant thing. And if well, they don't start eating, and, and it just seems to be a waste of time. And so I do agree that uh, giving a little bit, you know, on a regular basis is a lot better than just giving the whole thing plumped down on their desk, so to speak. Yeah, I think the analogy is really the classroom training. And, you know, the research is very, very clear uh classroom training is that if you're like a lot of companies say look sales training this year is we're going to hire a speaker to come in at our kickoff meeting he's going to talk for two hours and that'll be it for the year and yeah there may be a lot of great content in that two hours but research unequivocally shows that within 30 days people have forgotten at least 90 percent of what they heard and so rather than take all that great content and just dump it on people in two hours why not parse it up into five minute bites that people consume on a weekly basis, give them a chance to integrate what they learn every week into their daily selling, and then build on that. So at the end of, you know, two hours of content that they receive over four months, they're much better off, much better educated, have developed the skills and incorporated them into their selling as opposed to that two-hour classroom training. Very cool. So let me um, let me ask you real quick, um, talk about your podcast. How long have you been doing that? What what uh, prompted you to do your podcast? is called Accelerate, so let's hear about that. Yeah, so the podcast we rolled out beginning of October this past year, 2015, and we go four days a week. Um, actually, we're moving to five days a week come January. And, you know, we're just getting the best experts in sales, sales enablement, marketing, marketing automation, leadership management. They're going to come spend half hour with conversation about uh, you know, a topic that's important to an entrepreneur or a business owner or a small business owner that they can take away and say, okay, this is something that will help me that I can apply to my business today that's going to help me grow my, my business. And so the focus is really actionable strategies that help people accelerate the growth of their business. Very cool. And so you do it four days four, a week, huh? Four days a week. And... Uh, yeah, so we've had a great list of guests. That are coming into Q1, we've got a tremendous lineup of guests, including you know, big names like Tom Hopkins and Tom Ziegler and, and others that uh, you know, really have a lot of value to share for people in terms of something like that, something they can take away and apply to their business, and that's really the focus. That's awesome. You know, one of the uh, greatest treats for me as an entrepreneur about, um, I think it's about five years ago, Maybe four was, um, I, you know, I'm a, I'm 57, so I'm a little bit of old school. But I mean, when I started reading business books and things like that, one of my heroes was Zig Ziglar, and I got to meet him at an event, and I, he signed a twenty dollar bill for me, and I still got it. And <laughs> what a, I just love that man was so smart, and he had so much wisdom, and I really yep. liked the way, um, you know, he just put it out there. He talked about faith, how much he loved his wife, the, the redhead, you know, and. He's just a really, really awesome guy, and Tom's really doing a wonderful job keeping that well, whole uh, thing going. Yeah, yeah, I think Tom, Tom's building a really interesting company, and, and you know, he's absorbed so much because you know, he learned from his father, you know, from from the beginning. You know, I think he started working with him when he was ten or twelve years old, um, 
yeah, I mean, a lot of that wisdom was just passed right through, and, and um, yeah, they've got a very interesting company, and they provide great service to their customers. Well, Andy, it's been a, a lot of fun chatting with you. How can people learn more about you? What's a, what's a good website for them to connect? So visit my website at andypaul.com, www.andypaul.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Zero Time Selling. And when you come to my website, uh, andypaul.com, click on the link that says podcast, and you'll be able to see the list of all the podcasts that, uh, that we published. Or alternatively, you can listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher. And it's called Accelerate with an exclamation mark uh, with Andy Paul. Very good. Andy, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate your time today. Hey, Jim, thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Folks, that wraps up this very special episode of Stick Like Glue Radio with Andy Paul. Remember, Stick Like Glue Radio is the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. I'm your host, Jim Palmer, your dream business coach. As always, I'm committed to helping you build a more profitable business faster. Watch for another great episode of Stick Like Glue Radio this time next week. Until then, keep taking action, keep moving forward, and don't ever, ever, ever give up. Now go out there and do something nice for somebody today. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Stick Like Glue Radio, the only podcast dedicated to helping you create an everlasting bond with your customers so they stay longer, spend more, and refer more. Stick Like Glue Radio features Jim Palmer's unique brand of smart marketing and business building advice for action-oriented entrepreneurs. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.getjimpalmer.com. To learn more about Jim's Dream Business Coaching and Mastermind program, visit www.dreambizcoaching.com. That's www.dreambizcoaching.com. If you know other entrepreneurs looking for the fastest way to hire profits in their business, please tell them about the Stick Like Glue radio podcast. Now, go and implement what you've learned and boost your profits. See you next week for more Stick Like Glue radio.